when I attended church uh, that morning, uh, they had some postcards that they wanted to have sent out to people that you had been uh, aggrieved with. And uh, me and my son hadn't got along for over two years. We hadn't talked. Well, we'd had an argument, and uh, it was pretty bad. And everybody was in a big turmoil over it. And I knew it was then that that was the right time to, to write him a letter. And all I did was write, I love you. I didn't know what else to say. And uh, that was the right thing to say. And so I mailed it. And three days later, my son had called me on the phone. And he said, Dad, I'm sitting in the driveway. And I ran up to the, to the driveway. And we wrapped our arms around each other and said we loved each other. And that was a great load off my shoulders. It was one of the greatest days I've had. And uh, that was what broke the ice. And we started talking again and loving each other again. And only the Lord could do that. And I, I believe in miracles every day. And, and that was a miracle in my life, without a doubt. <laughs> I'm thankful to Lynn, who was in our previous service, for having the transparency uh, to share about a challenge in a life's relationship uh, to really set up uh, how we want to look at today that God wants to be at work in all of our life's relationships, uh, both uh, the big situations that we just uh, heard about here briefly, but also just the everyday relationships uh, in the message that we're going to look at today. And so, uh, but before we do that, again, um, if you're newer with us, as Jonathan has already welcomed you, uh, my name is Brian. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here and bringing you today's message. And uh, what we're going to be looking at to start our time together is actually going to come out of uh, Matthew chapter 9 in God's Word. And so, if uh, you don't, uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, uh, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you or here on the front. There's someone underneath the, the front there that uh, you could follow along with us here this morning. And uh, as you turn there, just uh, something to be aware of that happens with uh, some regularity around the church, I think it's good for you to know about, is that on the third Monday, uh, the third Monday evening of each month, there is an elders and pastors meeting that takes place here in the building. And uh, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. in that meeting, uh, we go through, you could say, a typical agenda uh, set of items. You know, we look at updates on particular ministry projects and new endeavors. Uh, sometimes we take the, the time to study, um, you know, theological issues that are pertinent to the times or maybe to our congregation in that particular season. Uh, we look at balance sheets and staff reports and all this stuff like that. But then at 8 o'clock, p.m. sharp. Regardless of where we're at in that list of agenda items, we stop. We stop there and we take the next hour from eight to nine, and sometimes even longer, uh, to commit uh, as elders and pastors of the church to prayer. And we take the time to pray uh, about needs of the world, needs specifically to our community. Uh, but then the majority of it really is praying about uh, the needs that you all face as the congregation of First Christian Church in your life that has come to our attention. And so as the needs and the hurt and the challenges and the opportunities are, are shared in that setting, uh, I record those. I carry this little half portfolio everywhere I go. Uh, and um, so I start writing down these prayer requests and I recognize that as I kind of get to the bottom and the list keeps going that I have to write smaller and smaller and smaller because I'm trying to wait, you know, use another sheet of paper. And, uh, and I become honestly just 
a little overwhelmed at the length of the list of just the breadth of needs that are going on in the lives of our congregation. And frankly, those are just the ones we know about. So how much more then does it represent um, the things really going on? Because it's not just the breadth of those needs that gets uh, our attention, but it's also the, you could say, the depth of them, the weight of many of those needs. And in all candor, as I begin to just start taking a lot of deep breaths, like, man, how, how can we even begin to address both the breadth and the depth of the, some of the situations going on in the lives of, of one another. Um, and I'm always thankful because I'm encouraged again that once we get past this, we zoom out to, again, God's perspective. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, passages like the one we're going to look at here uh, this morning uh, in Matthew chapter 9. And so I invite you to follow with me for some encouragement when it comes to the situations that we all face in our lives. Um, and uh, it's uh, starting in verse 35. Says this, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And so here we witness Jesus is going about his, his ministry work. And then it says in verse 36 that when he saw the crowds, in other words, when he saw the multitude of needs before him, it says that Jesus, he had compassion. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus, when he saw the multitude, the breadth and both that along with the depth of the needs before him, he had compassion on them. And with that compassion, he turned to his disciples and he said this. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so as pastors and elders here in the life of the church, we recognize uh, that one of our chief responsibilities as uh, to be a part of the workers that are few is to be part of his shepherding work uh, in the flock that we call here, First Christian Church, and that the foundational role that we have as shepherds in the life of the church begins with and is founded on the foundation uh, of prayer. That when we look at the breadth and the depth of the list, uh, that it's not just a list, that these are the lives of people whom we care about, whom God cares about, and that the most important steps that we can take forward in any of this is going to be in faith, praying that God will in fact be at work in them. Uh, in fact, when it comes to what God does in prayer versus what we can do, uh, I love the way that uh, Pastor Bill Hybels puts it. Uh, he's a pastor just outside of Chicago. He says it this way about prayer. He says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And so in light of this reality that we understand, again, as pastors and elders in the life of this church, uh, is also your reality when it comes to prayer. And so uh, we are starting in light of this, um, a, a new series today called Common Threads, where we're gonna be looking at today and over the next uh, five weeks, the common threads or the common issues that we all face in our lives uh, that you could say are the top prayer requests that we also have in each of our lives, me and you included. And so those areas, those common threads uh, involve relationships, health, uh, spirituality or faith, uh, and, and finances, the resources that we, um, that we have in life. And again, 
these would be, you could say, top prayer requests of things, of the, the common threads that we face in our life. And so we're going to look at those each week. But more importantly uh, than, you could say, just getting into the weeds of these common threads, of these common issues we face, is that in this setting, I mean, because frankly, you could find advice and articles and things on all this stuff um, outside of this space. But um, when it comes to where we're at, as uh, those who are seeking to follow uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we want to, when it comes to what I'll call these lower C common threads in our life, we want to usher in and invite in what we will call the capital C, the capital C common thread uh, that is the Lord at work within each of these, you could say, lower C common threads. You could say it this way, that if our lives issues are polyester and God is cotton, that we want a cotton polyester blend. (laughs) The analogy has not been good in any of the services. That's all I got for you, folks. I'm so sorry. Um, but that's what we want. We really, we want God to be this, uh, you know, the common, the capital C common thread that weaves into all of our life's uh, fabric and issues that we face. And so um, we thought we'd, we'd kick it off with, a, with an easy thread. We'd, you know, just go real light and go look at your life's relationships. Um, that's also a joke. Um, because frankly, actually, when it comes to all these topics, I would, I would argue that this is, this is debatably the heaviest thread that we face in our lives, that really there is nothing, nothing more intricate to the quality of life that we face uh, than it comes to, for better or for worse, the relationships that make up our lives. Uh, and I know for me, and I assume for you too, it's when it comes to sometimes the difficult side, the weight, the challenges, the complexities that we face in life's relationships, whether with extended family, with a spouse, um, with our children, uh, and uh, you know, maybe it's a coworker situation. Uh, and really when you think about it, it's, it's relationships across the spectrum and everything from your friends that can have complexities in them to our enemies. That within all the fabric of life, this relationship thread, um, you could say takes up the most bandwidth for many of us in the living out of our lives. And, and frankly, leaves us feeling like Jesus said, uh, you know, just when it comes to the issues we face, just helpless like sheep without a shepherd, often just unsure or even insecure. I know for me, half the time, like what even the problem is, let alone how I might begin to resolve it. And so again, as the arguably thickest thread we face, how do we um, ask the capital C common thread of God to be engaged uh, as our ultimate shepherd into this lower C common thread of our life's Relationships, And so that's what we're going to look at. And uh, the first thing that we need to do in order to do that, if you're taking notes, we're going to have some things here you might want to write down, that the number one thing we need to do in order to invite God's capital C common thread into the lower C common threads of relationships is first and foremost, prayerfully reflect on God's relationship to us. Prayerfully reflect on God's relationship with us. That the very first thing we have to do before needling around in our life's relationships is we have to look to the ultimate example of what a relationship should look like and what God has done for us in building a relationship uh, to us. We see this most manifested in the person of Jesus Christ and God's son who, uh, when it comes to relationships, he tells us to live it out this way. Jesus says in Mark 10, 43 through 45, that whoever wants to be great among you In other words, if you want to achieve greatness in life's relationships, well, you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, 
and to give his life as a ransom or sacrifice for many. And so we see straight from Jesus himself that the foundation of our relationships is not how can those relationships serve us, but how in the context of relationships as followers of Jesus Christ and pursuing that can we serve others. Service, sacrifice, and giving. It is the example that Jesus laid out, not just in his teaching, but as he pointed to, that as he came to serve, he came to serve with sacrifice, giving his life for us, that we could, as we just celebrated in communion, as Pastor Jonathan just led us through, we could be forgiven of sin, uh, reconciling us to a relationship with God, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so based on Jesus' example, I would say, if you want to show me a healthy relationship, if you want to say, ah, here's an example of a healthy relationship, show me a healthy relationship, and I guarantee I will show you a relationship where serving, sacrifice, and giving are intricate parts woven into the fabric of that relationship. And so in order to accomplish that more, to, to, to fold that into, make, you could say, God's way, our ways, in our life's relationships, one of the things we have to do, the practical, or you could say, step of this first deal, is we have to regularly be reflecting on God's word as to what this relationship should look like in our lives. And so um, that really is the practical step, is that we need to be in God's word, reflecting on his relationship to us and what he says then out of the overflow of his relationship to us, our relationship to others should look like. So we've got to be in God's word to do that, to make his way our ways and do that on a regular basis. And then really, this is, this is really the umbrella point, that God's relationship to us is the basis for how we're going to understand the rest of what we're going to look at when it comes to life's relationship. So number one, prayerfully reflect using God's word on his relationship to us. From there, the second one, uh, again, really just an overflow of this first one, but really, I think, demands that we address it uh, specifically, and that is the reality that in the life's relationships, both in the big and the small, we need to regularly pursue forgiveness. The second thing we need to do in order to have God's capital C common thread and the lower C common threads of our relationships is we need to have a rhythm of pursuing forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says it this way. It says, get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be instead kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. Here's the bottom line of what that's saying. As forgiven people, we are to forgive people. Forgiven people Forgive people. And I would suspect that when it comes to this topic of relationships, that for many of you, uh, this is where you went to first, that you went to that relationship where unforgiveness uh, has not been able to be established and there's challenges and there's weight and things continue to happen. So what I want to make sure I do, or I should say not do, uh, and we, I've said this before when talking about the topic of forgiveness, is that uh, I don't want to commit before you what I'll call ministerial malpractice, where a preacher gets up and just a few short words 
grossly underestimates and doesn't give uh, a proper attention to the complexities, the hurt, the challenges, the things that aren't yet resolved, this the mess that could be the story that you are trying to figure out when it comes to forgiveness. So don't let me oversimplify that because I am in no way trying to say this is simple, this is easy. In fact, this is why, again, we need God in the midst of it. Uh, but also know this, it is still no less true of a point. That no matter how difficult the situation may be for you in this particular space, it is still no less true of the reality of being really the next step to find freedom in that relationship. In fact, uh, and, and if we're sometimes, you know, sometimes that freedom or that, um, you could say that forgiveness might not be able to be a next step in that relationship because it can't be mended for one reason or another, can't be restored here on earth. I will still say that freedom for you personally still lies in forgiveness. You see, forgiveness, here's the heart of what God gives us in it, not only to us, but to extend to others. Forgiveness is all about freedom. Forgiveness is all about freedom. Forgiveness is about setting someone free. It's about setting the captive free and then experiencing that that someone is actually you. You see, we think that when we hold on to a bitterness, when someone has wronged us and they, and we kind of, we have this theoretical chokehold that you are not getting out of this until you pay back every penny of emotional debt that you owe me or the payback that you deserve. We think we have a hold on them, but in reality, when we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, the truth is our hands are around our own neck. That it is us that is being held captive. And so we must, in order to find freedom for ourselves, find a ways through God's grace and power to find forgiveness in that relationship. Anne Lamont, a Christian author, puts it this way. She says, unforgiveness is like eating rat poison and expecting the other person to die. It's backwards. Uh, my grandmother, uh, in talking about this topic, put it to me once this way. She said, unforgiveness is like carrying around a bag of garbage. It's heavy and it stinks. That's how my grandma would say it. So. And so recognize that when you forgive, you put the garbage down, you set the captive free and discover that it is you that is being set free. Uh, and then again, if the freedom rationale is not enough for you, we get, again, only need to look back to our first point and look at the example that was set before us in our relationship to God made possible in Jesus Christ, who, never doing anything wrong to anybody, took upon him our sin, forgiving us so that we might have a relationship with God, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so recognize, remember, before we step into understanding what it's gonna to be to forgive others, embrace the forgiveness that you have in God through Jesus Christ, that where you have um, sinned against God, that where you have sinned against a spouse, where you have sinned against a family member, where you have sinned against a coworker, where you have sinned against and messed up what was once your best friend, but because of the situation now they're not, know that in faith you are forgiven. You are forgiven and you can forgive yourself and that forgiven people then forgive people. It is, we've said it this way, that when it comes to the Christian faith, forgiveness is not just like an app in the app store. 
but it's actually, uh, it's the operating system. It's the OS that forgiveness is the rhythm of everything we understand our Christian faith to be, both in what we've received and what we extend to others. Because forgiven people forgive people. So we pray, we just prayed a few moments ago. We pray each week, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I'll say for me, this isn't just about the big stuff. This is about the small stuff, the daily stuff. For me, uh, I will often pray the Lord's Prayer every morning. And this one catches my attention because this is something I want to make sure I do. Again, not just the huge things, but just in the little things with my coworkers or with my spouse or with my kids. I want to live out the small rhythm of giving the benefit of the doubt of forgiving, forgiving, forgiving within the way that I live life, understanding that forgiveness is the operating system of a follower of Jesus Christ in the relationships of our life. So for you, you might need to, in a big way or just in the daily small ways, prayerfully pursue forgiveness as the operating system for your life's relationships, okay? And from there, uh, a third way that we can invite God as the big C thread, common thread in our little C common thread of life's relationships, uh, sometimes is simply uh, to pray for a miracle. To pray for a miracle. Um, as I love the way that Lynn put it in that video, that's exactly what he recognized the reconciliation between he and his son was. It was a miracle, he said. Um, and I would say that this is probably the most common prayer I pray regarding this common thread. Uh, when it comes to the lives and some of the prayer requests that come my way, uh, is that so often as I listen to the, the story, uh, or the stories, it's, again, the complexities, the dynamics, the circumstances, they're so overwhelming, we can hardly sometimes identify the problem, let alone what a solution might be, and I just find myself not even knowing what to pray. And I would suspect there's situations, either now or in your past or will in the future, where you don't even know what the prayer request is. Well, be encouraged um, that I, I ask God's Holy Spirit to be true to his word in his word where he says this encouragement. Uh, Romans 8, 26 through 27, we don't have a clue what to do next. It says it this way. It says in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. That when we do not know what we ought to pray, the spirit himself actually intercedes for us, through us, through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so that's great news. That when we don't know what to pray, that just like we would pray for a miracle in um, a health situation that seems um, insurmountable, that we will often, that I will often, that we can pray for um, a, a miracle in a relational situation as well that even when we don't know what to pray, we can take hope because, again, quote, the Spirit himself will pray for us, will intercede for us. And so that might be your situation, that there, you don't even know what the next step is. Trust that God will actually pray on your behalf for the situation if you lay it out there when, um, and just submitting that to him, um, praying for a miracle. All right, so... First three, first one again, I want to recognize is the ultimate umbrella or the foundation over all of these understandings that we're going to reflect on God's relationship to us 
to understand anything we do in relationships. And then the next two we recognized are really reactive, that we want to respond to life's relationships uh, through forgiveness and through sometimes even asking for a miracle. And these last two points that I want to share with you are the flip side of that, that not just how do we respond to life's relationships, but how can we uh, proactive, how can we be proactive, proactively choosing the threads of relationships that are in our lives? How can we be intentional about that? And so before I share with you what that, those are, I want to uh, get a little bit of crowd participation here to just make sure we're still awake on this um, nice, cold, actual first day of winter, I think. So what I need you to do is actually um, just grab like your program or something and a pen, or uh, if on your phone you want to take some notes. And here's, here's the exercise. I want you to write down or type in your five closest relationships. Um, and, and not family, but like friendships. Like who are the five closest non-familial relationships that you have in your life. And that'll help set up the conversation here uh, for the rest of the time. So I'll give you about 20, 30 seconds to write down those five names. I still see some heads down. Y'all got it? It's probably that music. I don't know how anyone thinks during that music, actually. It's more distracting than it is helpful, I believe. So sorry about that. All right. So hopefully you've got, you know, maybe at least three or four down. Um, And so with that in one hand, our next point is this. You might need to prayerfully consider redefining your closest relationships. You might need to prayerfully consider redefining the nature of your closest relationships. Um, The quote I'm going to give you here in a moment is accredited to a guy by the name of Jim Rohn, but it is the understanding is accepted across, you know, psychologists and sociologists. And that's this, that you are, you are the average of your five closest relationships, that who you are, you are actually the average of your five closest relationships, that whatever the measure of these five individuals that when it comes to your life, say in their space, when it comes to maybe their faith or financially or professionally or the values that they hold, that your measure in these areas of your life will reflect uh, the average of those five individuals. So you'll have maybe two or three that are ahead of you in that regard or two or three that are behind you. And really, this understanding is nothing new. Uh, in fact, Solomon said this uh, thousands of years ago in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs thirteen twenty. He said, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, if your five closest relationships are people who are strong in their faith, who are strong in their marriages, who are strong in their professional careers, who are strong financially, well, then you too can expect to become stronger in these areas. It's the whole, show me your friends and I'll show you uh, your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, if you ever heard that expression. Um, uh, yet on the flip side, uh, if you run around you know, with morons who... 
are always making bad choices. You know, they're a, they're a lousy spouse to their spouse. They have no work ethic. You know, they're terrible with their finances. Uh, well, then you will, quote, suffer harm as a companion of these fools, says Solomon. And I know, I know that's the case for me personally, that any area that I might deem successful in my life, uh, I can directly tie to the nature of the relationships I have around me in that particular space. However, on the flip side, when it comes to the moronic and foolish things that I've done in my life, they are tied to when my closest companions have been, as Solomon said, a companion of fools. Uh, an example of this for me uh, is in a little story I like to call Dave versus Dave. Yeah, in that, um, if you don't know my story, growing up, uh, I, I didn't grow up going to church, and I came to Christ as a freshman in high school. And um, for various excuses, I won't even say reasons, various excuses, I actually teetered quite a bit from that commitment uh, my junior year. And, and a big part of that uh, was um, through a new friend I made. I started playing drums in this garage band with a guy by the name of Dave. And um, I remember when it came to, for Dave, when it came to the topic of responsibility, uh, Dave would often say something like, like for example, we had, if we had a test to study for the next day, uh, Dave would say something like, hey, well, studying for this test tonight, whether we do well tomorrow or not, well, think about it, will it really matter in 10 years from now how good or bad we did on that test? <laughs> to which, honestly, that one test, probably not. So we'd blow off studying and go do something else. Um, the problem was Dave liked that line a lot. <laughs> I remember we would be walking to class. Uh, this one happened a lot of times. And um, we would uh, be walking to class and he'd say, hey, whether or not we go to this next class, in 10 years, will it really matter if we went or not? To which again, honestly, Probably not. So I can visualize on my high school campus the exact spot where we'd do this and we would do a 180 and we'd turn around and we'd walk, walk off campus. And growing up in South Carolina, we'd go play golf or his aunt had a lake house. We'd ride jet skis and um, other things of trouble that I'd like, frankly, just to keep off the record of a sermon for you today. But <laughs> and so I've lost my notes here. That's all right. Um, and so here's what I learned, that when it comes to the whole will this matter in 10 years life plan, um, that if you say that enough times, it does matter in 10 years. In fact, it started mattering a lot for us that year as I literally almost flunked out of high school because of absences and the grades that reflected those absences. And for my buddy Dave, honestly, he never did graduate high school. And so, and just beyond that, really, my grades were the least of my troubles that junior year. And so, thankfully, by the grace of God, uh, like the prodigal son, I came to my senses. And I knew that things had to be different in a big way for my senior year. And so I started looking around at what really had become at the time some otherwise fringe friendships uh, from my youth group. And I decided I need to start spending a lot less time with, you know, foolish Dave. And uh, I found a, a new friend of mine, uh, a guy by the name of Dave uh, in the life of the youth group who um, was, and he still is, very wise as a faithful follower of Christ. And so as Dave and I became good friends, Dave was actually, ended up being our valedictorian 
And he actually helped me pass chemistry, which was very helpful for my future. Um, we uh, actually ended up going to the same college together. Dave was in my wedding as a groomsman. And uh, it was very interesting, actually. I didn't even realize this until um, a couple of days ago, looking over the message, that um, we actually did a Bible study in college, he and I together, called Getting a Grip on Your Life. And we actually used that same study as some ideas and fodder for the very series that we're doing right now. Um, and so here's the point. While you might not be able to choose every relationship that comes into your life. You can choose your inner circle. You can choose who is gonna have influence and who you wanna become the average of in your life by the way in which you spend your time and energy in those relationships. Um, and so for me, what I would encourage you as I learned in my own experience and still continue to learn is that I would encourage you to find people who, uh, again, for that inner circle, uh, who are committed to Jesus Christ, who are walking with him, because out of the overflow of that, all these other issues uh, will line up again with God's plan for your life. Um, and so you might need to reconsider the nature of the relationships of your closest relationships. And then from there, the fifth point, uh, which really is an overflow of the last one, is I would invite you to prayerfully consider joining a Grow Together small group or class. Uh, prayerfully consider joining a Grow Together small group or class if you are not already a part of one in the life of this church. Uh, as really, that's where our church does church. You see, the church is something that Jesus Christ established, that we would have relationships relationships with other people that encourage our ultimate relationship with God. That's the point of church. But in all honesty, we don't get there doing what we're doing right now. We don't build relationships that build our relationship with God, sitting shoulder to shoulder, all facing the same direction, listening to a monologue. And so that's why the mission of our church is developing devoted followers of Jesus Christ by, we say, growing and serving together. And so as uh, we start this series, um, we are inviting everyone who's not a part of it today, you can express interest to what we've said is test drive uh, getting involved in a Grow Together group or class. Um, and, and actually over the next five weeks, looking at these topics, these five topics and how God wants to be at work within each of them as we, again, do what that first point is. We're gonna reflect on God's word on each of these topics, on what God's relationship to us looks like, and then also uh, be praying for one another in these spaces over the next five weeks and see what God can do. Again, as that capital C common thread in all of life's common threads that we share. And so in order to do that, um, if you want to express interest today, uh, you can on your phone. Uh, you can go to firstdecatororg forward slash common threads and you could sign up uh, to be part of a group that way. Or uh, in the lobby, uh, just as you exit the uh, auditorium, either coming down the stairs to the left or out of these doors, there's a welcome center. And we have a bunch of these uh, you know, uh, analog sheets. You don't have to do it digitally. You can just go fill them out. And uh, Pastor Jonathan's going to be out there. He'll be happy to talk with you about it. And he'll be in touch with you this week about uh, exploring, taking that next step of getting connected, again, not in a small group, that's a program. program, no one likes programs, but instead getting connected with a group of people who have relationship with you, who are building your most important relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so go ahead and do that uh, if uh, that is something that you know God's doing. And real quick, I'm just gonna add this because I got a second here, but it was interesting. Last night in our first steps class, we have a class for people who are new to life at church. We had this guy in there who's a storm chaser and does like storm photography, which was awesome. And it's like, man, how does that not freak you out? And he said, actually, he understands storm systems. And so he can actually be where tornadoes are and actually not really be scared at all. He said, however, walking into a church and the idea of getting involved uh, and actually having to be transparent in front of other people and lives and relationships, he said, that's terrifying. 
And so I don't want to underplay that this is just some easy thing. It is a big step, but it's a critical step to developing really, we'd say the mission of the church, but really the mission of your life to become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ by doing that together with others. So that was my last plug on that. All right. Well, here's what we want to do as uh, we wrap up the message time this morning, that rather than just, again, me talk about this, we want to make sure that we actually are doing the capital C common thread of this whole deal. And that is actually inviting, uh, you could say our ultimate shepherd, um, who wants to shepherd over these areas in our lives into this lower C common thread through actually praying. We're going to spend some time in prayer together, uh, but not just today, but in the days ahead. And so to help you do that, to help remind us to do that, because we're forgetful people and we forget things going out the door. Um, you'll notice at the end of the pew here on the inside aisle, there should be a cup with a bunch of blue strings in it uh, that look like, like this. You probably can't see that. There's a blue string in my hand. But it's camouflaged. All right. Um, so yeah, grab a blue string. And I want you to uh, actually tie that around your wrist. Um, and before you just, I want you to catch this. Did you all catch the pun there? The common threads. Thread. Threads. Thread. You see, we only work on Sundays. So we've got all week to come up with these clever puns for you all. You, know, you are welcome. All right, so what this is going to do, this is going to serve as a reminder that throughout the week, um, as you look back at these five points, which one of these, if you had to choose one, is the area you need to, again, invite God as a capital C common thread into this common thread of your relationships? Do you need to be getting into God's word and praying God's word uh, and the nature of his relationships? Yeah, you might need a buddy. I've noticed that. It's not, or teeth, one or the other to do that. Um, do you need to pray about uh, forgiveness? Do you need to pray for a miracle? Do you need to pray about redefining your inner circle? Do you need to, maybe you already know the answer to this. Do you need to step in to a grow together a small group or class where you have relationships with others that are building your relationship with God? And so we're gonna invite you to pray about that very thing here um, in just a moment. But then also, again, every time you look down at that thread, let it be uh, a reminder to pray right then, to do what uh, the ancient monastics, they called it breath prayers. It was their attempt to live out First uh, Thessalonians 5.17, it's this, you might've heard the verse says, pray without ceasing, which seems impossible, or pray continually. But really the idea of pray regularly. And so their response to that was what they called breath prayers, that you could literally, within the amount of energy it takes to give a breath, pray a prayer and trust what God says, Jesus says, you're not gonna be heard for your many words. He already knows the needs of your heart. So express that to him. And so for maybe for you, you look down at that blue thread and it's, you know, God, because I'm forgiven, help me to forgive so-and-so. Maybe that's your prayer this week. And then from there, each, and again, if you're anti-accessory and you're like, I am not going to wear something on my wrist. I'm anti-accessory, but I did it because I work here and I thought I should. Um, <laughs> you can like tie it around a keychain. And so every time you grab your keys, you just, you know, breath prayer. All right, God help me with such and such. And um, uh, each week, what we're going to do is you can tell, I've got, I don't know if you can tell on the screen or not, but I've actually got five different threads. As each week, you're going to get a new thread that represents uh, the different topics as prayer prompts uh, for that topic. And I'm not special. That's not why I got all five. But actually, about a month ago, uh, as we were looking at this series, we actually had all the, the pastors, staff, and elders uh, go ahead and make a complete bracelet uh, as really, again, an opportunity to do more of what we do on those third Mondays. And that is to pray for you all as our congregation. Oh, man, you guys got a close-up. That was awesome. Boom. Ah, uh -huh, you can't keep up with me. All right. So, sorry. Squirrel. Easily distressed. 
I can see myself up here. I don't know if y'all know that. Yeah, okay. All right. Which is a problem at times. All right. So back to preaching. Take two action. Um, So each week you'll get a thread. And so what we did is we've been praying over the last month for you all in these regards. And for me, I've just chosen to pray about the relationship thing because I knew going into the holidays, I know this is, this is the area that is the toughest for many of us. Again, the, the one that takes up the most bandwidth. And so what I would do, and this is getting almost kind of weird, practical, but um, what, what happened, I found out is that when you wash your hands, which I do a lot because I'm a germaphobe, um, this bracelet gets kind of wet and it's, it's actually, it's kind of gross. It's like a wet, cold feeling on your wrist in the middle of winter, not wonderful. And so I thought about actually cutting it off and um, putting it on the keychain and kind of do it that way. I thought, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. Uh, instead, I'm gonna, every time I feel that wet feeling, because you don't become desensitized to it, because the dry bracelet you do, but every time I feel that wet thing on my wrist, I'm gonna use that um, as a prompt to pray for you all. So please don't overconnect wet grossness with praying for you all. That's, there's no illustration there to be found, um, but it is. It's just, it's just a prompt. And so what I would do is I would say, God, I pray for uh, the relationships of the people of our church going into Christmas. Um, and so anyway, invite you to do that. I know it's kind of a weird way, but every time it gets wet, great way to be reminded to offer up that breath prayer um, in your life. Okay, so that's what we're going to invite you to do. We're going to invite you to pray on your own on whatever issue you need to pray about in your life's relationships. We'll give you a few moments to do that. And then to close uh, the sermon, we're actually going to have uh, Dave Toole, who's one of our elders who prays on those Monday nights and regularly throughout the month for you. He's actually going to pray for us all um, in this regard. So we'll give you a few moments to consider that list and to, uh, to spend some time in prayer about that relationship issue in your life. Go ahead and do that now. Father, we pray for these common threads that run through each of our lives. We pray, Father, that over the next few weeks that uh, these common threads, that we would, we would remember those. We would remember what we heard today about uh, reflecting, first of all, upon our relationship with you. It's a common thread that we all have, and God, help us to honestly reflect on that relationship to be prayerfully pursuing forgiveness in our lives as people who are forgiven, that we are people that forgive. God, many of the relationship needs that we pray for need a miracle. So God, we pray boldly for those miracles in those relationships, God, that you would answer those prayers. We pray, Father, for the group of our closest friends, God, and maybe we need to make some changes there. Help us, Father, to uh, 
be honest and to be willing to make any changes that you would bring to our lives, to our minds. And Father, we pray about entering into a small group and what that can mean in our lives and being uh, brave enough to be transparent as we work together to become more like you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.